Discussing the latest in employment law, it's the Employment Huddle Podcast with Guy Allen and Samantha Turetsky. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Employment Huddle Podcast. What is the Employment Huddle Podcast? The Employment Huddle Podcast is an employment law podcast for employers. It is a look into the issues we are seeing every day on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, that we're working hard with our clients to navigate. It's a very difficult landscape, and we thought that this would be a great opportunity to share with everyone what we as employment lawyers are seeing on a daily basis. My name is Guy Allen. I've been practicing labor and employment law for over 30 years. I am co-chair of the Labor and Employment Practice Group here at the law firm Westerman Ball on Long Island. Westerman Ball is one of the premier business law firms in the state of New York. Hosting the uh, this podcast with me will be my colleague, Samantha Turetsky. Samantha? Thanks. Thanks, Guy. I am a City University School of Law graduate. I joined the firm back in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. So I took a leap of faith and joined you here. And look where it got me. (laughs) I cannot believe that I'm sitting here recording a podcast with you right now. And prior to joining the firm, I was an assistant corporation counsel for the city of New York, doing labor and employment defense work for the city on behalf of its agencies and on behalf of City Hall. Awesome. So as many of you know, we send out newsletters almost on a weekly basis, trying to keep our clients up to speed on the ever-changing laws. We thought a podcast is just more of a modern newsletter. And it's an opportunity to get out and talk to you. We'll have guests. We'll speak to our clients. We'll speak to uh, other attorneys about what they're seeing on a daily basis. So this podcast is basically going to have two components. Number one, it's going to uh, talk about the legal issues that we're seeing front and center every day that you're seeing in the news, that we're seeing in our offices, and what our clients are dealing with and navigating with on an everyday and every day in the workplace. That's number one. Number two is going to be employment chatter, water cooler talk. To me, that's the most fun part. What are employees talking about in the hallways, in the lunchrooms, and so on and so forth? So we are going to bring that both parts to you to hopefully have a uh, fun and enjoyable podcast. So for instance, the, the water cooler talk for this week's podcast is going to be the Super Bowl. That's what everyone's talking about. So at the end of this podcast, we will give you, for the first time, our Super Bowl predictions. A basis. So for this, our inaugural episode, we thought we'd deal with one of the hottest topics that we are discussing with our clients right now, every day, all day. And the first topic is essentially New York State COVID-19 paid sick leave law. These laws are changing every day by the hour. It's been very difficult for employers to keep up with these challenging guidelines. And we have, we have been counseling our clients on how to stay abreast of these ever-changing laws. So the first question that clients ask are, is, well, is there any federal leave available? What about the Families First Coronavirus Response Act? This was a, a federally mandated COVID leave and tax reimbursement uh, for such leave. Samantha, is this still in effect? Is federal, is federal uh, leave still provided or uh, required of employers? Guy, I cannot tell you how many times employers call me weekly asking about this leave. And I hate to tell everyone, but it lapsed many, many months ago. It 
ended in uh, 2020 with a, an extension for 2021, but that was at the choice of the employer. So currently, as, to, as of today's date, the federal leave is far over. Great. So we don't have the federal. So then what happens if you're here, if you're an employer in New York State, what, 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 what leave is available? Does it depend on the size of the employer? Does it depend on the number of employees? How does that work? Take us through that. So you're absolutely right. New York State has COVID-19 leave. And so employers really have to pay attention to their uh, size of their workforce in order to determine what type of COVID-19 leave they have to give to their employees. So for small employers, which means that you have 10 or fewer employees and an income of less than $1 million as of last calendar year, your paid family leave and disability policies should cover the entire leave of someone's COVID-19 order of quarantine. Employers of this size do not have any obligation to offer paid leave. So that means that if one of your employees have an order of quarantine for COVID-19, you have to contact your carrier and fill out the correct uh, paid family leave and disability forms if that's what the employee is asking for. For medium employers, which are employers of 11 to 99 employees, or smaller employers that have an income greater than $1 million last year, you must provide your employees with five days of paid sick leave for their order of quarantine or isolation. After this, paid family leave and disability can apply for the remaining period of their isolation or quarantine. Employees who are entitled to full or partial coverage through paid family leave or disability must submit the necessary forms that I was mentioning before. These can all be found at paidfamilyleave.ny.gov slash COVID-19 or employers should have them on file to give to their employees when an employee requests them. Now for large employers, which as you probably have guessed by now, is for employer, employers with 100 or more employees, you must provide 14 days of paid sick leave. That seems to be quite a burden on, uh, on large employers. I mean, we seem to be hearing that all the time. Oh my God, I have to pay for 14 days of leave, but that's what the law is right here in New York. Right. So that's what the law says. And of course, we see that quarantine and isolation periods are changing. So right now, New York State has adopted the CDC's quarantine orders, which is for 10 days. So for large employers, you're basically covering the entire period of the leave, which right now is 10 days. Right. So let me ask you this. So we're talking about forms, right? And what does it take to unlock this process? How do we, how does an employee go from, I have COVID, getting that co positive COVID test result to getting these benefits? You, you just can't take the employee's word for it, right? Isn't there, isn't there a process that we have to, that we have to follow to make sure that uh, both the employee's being honest and that the uh, employee's getting the, the benefits to which they're entitled? Right. So an employee has to provide an order of quarantine or isolation in order to unlock these benefits of COVID-19 leave. So the employee has to obtain an order of quarantine or, or isolation from their local health department. Now we know that health departments are so overrun with requests and they're still trying to catch up on all following up on all of the different positive cases in their area. So per New York State guidelines, 
An employee can provide a medical note from their doctor. Let's say they go to urgent care or their general practitioner's office. They can provide initially a letter from their doctor. However, they do need to follow up with that order of quarantine once the health department does reach out and provide it to them. Right. So that so that's that's important to know that there there is a process that needs to be followed. You just can't take the employee's word for it, and there there are steps that need to that need to take place. So. I guess to summarize, as far as COVID leave is concerned, there's no federal leave available, but there's New York State COVID leave available, and that, and the amount of that leave will depend on the size of the employer, whether you're small, you're medium, or you're a large employer. So what happens if it's not a COVID situation, or your COVID leave expires? Actually, let me let me raise this one issue: How many times can you take COVID leave? So say you get you 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 come down with COVID and you take your five days, your 10 days or 14 days of leave, and you come back and then you come down with COVID again, a different variant a month from now. How many times in a calendar year can you take COVID leave? So the, the state's Department of Labor actually issued additional guidance on COVID-19 leave not that long ago, um, back in 2020, because this was becoming an issue. People are unfortunately getting sick with COVID more than one time. So employees can take up to three leaves under the New York State COVID-19 leave law. But in order to unlock, if you will, the second and third use of that leave, it has to be due to a positive case. So the first instance of using COVID-19 can be because you either tested positive or because you have to quarantine because you were exposed to someone with a positive case. But the second and third use of that leave has to be because you yourself tested positive. It cannot be simply because you have to quarantine because you were exposed. So if if a family member uh, has COVID or a child has COVID, you're not necessarily entitled to this leave under New York state law. No. So if you have to take off from work because a dependent child is positive for COVID or because you have to uh, take care of a sick family member, that would fall under New York State's paid family leave, and you are potentially entitled to leave based on the PFL benefits. But that is separate and apart from New York State's COVID nineteen leave. All right. So, uh, so now we un- we understand what the, what the sick leave uh, it, entitlements are under COVID. What about you know another? So that's that's one big issue that we're hearing every day, right? The other issue that we're hearing every day are vaccine and vaccine mandates. Can an employer require its employees here in New York to be vaccinated? They can, with, of course, the caveat that employees are entitled to request accommodations for both medical and religious reasons. And it is extremely important that employers engage in that interactive process with their employees when they request such exemptions. Right. Oh, great. So, because we're seeing that a lot, right? We, we're getting a lot of pushback. A lot of people are finding religion that we never knew uh, held since uh, religious belief, sincerely held religious belief. But that's the key. It's got to be a sincerely held uh, religious religious belief. And if there is a sincerely held religious belief, uh, then that is a reason for an employee not to be vaccinated. And in that instance, the employer then has to engage in, the, in an interactive process to see if we can accommodate that employee, right? Because if we, if we can't accommodate 
in, in a, an employee because they, you know, we can't force them to get vaccinated if they have a sincerely held religious belief or a medical exemption. We then have to go through the process of, well, now what do we do? Now what do we do? Uh, we have to take a look or employers have to take a look. Can we accommodate that person? How can we accommodate that? Are you seeing a lot of that in the, in the questions you're getting from clients? Absolutely. That is something that we both get calls on every single week. Um, and like you said, we are seeing an uptick in religious exemptions, but it is important that employers remember that they're not here to play doctor and they're not here to play clergy. So there is the interactive process and employers have to take that very seriously, but how far they can push and how far they can question, there is a line. Right. That's always, that's always the challenge because if, if, if it, you know, employers don't want to put themselves in a position of having to defend their position that they didn't believe the employee, unless you really, an employer really suspects fraud from a medical perspective or really suspects fraud from a religious perspective, it's our general opinion that you go with it. And if an employer, if an if you value your employee and they're giving you a cogent reason for why they have, uh, you know, a, a uh, should be religiously, religiously exempt from getting the vaccine, that we should go with it if you can. So, but what happens if you can't. What, what, what happens if there's just not a way for uh, the employer to accommodate the employee? What if the employee, for instance, is uh, a cleaner and is cleaning office buildings and the employer's client says, well, the only way you can have your folks in here is if they're vaccinated. What do you do in that situation? Right. So that is then called the undue burden test. So if it's an undue hardship to the company to offer the accommodation, you go. that means that you went through the interactive process, you thought of potential accommodations. In your situation, in your hypothetical example, if an outside client is saying that in order to enter our facility, your employees must be vaccinated, the company's hands are, are tied. So you can try to find the accommodation, but if it's really impossible... Then you meet the undue burden test, which means that it's an undue hardship to your company to offer the accommodation, and then you can deny their request for an exemption. You know where we're seeing this a lot? We're seeing this a lot in the medical field, right? Where like nurses or medical practitioners are saying, I don't want to be vaccinated. I, I have, a, you know, for religious reasons, I don't want to be vaccinated. For medical reasons, I don't want to be vaccinated. That's a particularly tough situation because you're you're carrying it's the health and safety of their patients that are issues. So that is probably an example of where you might not be able to accommodate uh, your your medical practitioner because it's the safety and the well being of your patients that is of utmost importance. You agree? Yes, and that's where we saw a lot of litigation at the end of last year and this year of the New York State mandate for healthcare employees to be vaccinated, and there was definitely a lot of litigation. I'm sure everyone remembers it wasn't that long ago, um, especially surrounding the lack of a religious accommodation or a religious exemption in that law. So we're, we're definitely seeing a lot of litigation around this. And I believe we will continue to see a lot of litigation around these issues. Right. That's the thing. That's why employers have to be really, really careful because he, these are all test cases. There's no, this is not a situation we can go back and look at years and years of precedent to see how a court or a jury or a judge is going to handle a situation. This is all cases of first impression. So it's our recommendation to be conservative. If your employee has you know, a cogent religious reason for not getting vaccinated, then 
accept the accept the the, accommodate, the accommodation request if you can. And same thing with a medical reason. You don't want to be you don't want to be the test case. So and, the, and these are these are very very challenging times. Sometimes you have no choice. Some sometimes you have no choice. Uh, and you, you know you, you, you have no you, you aren't able to accommodate the uh, the request but when you can you should it's because it's just the, the, the landscape is just it's just too uncertain and we're seeing so much so many so much litigation about the vaccination requests and about what employers in general are requiring their employees to do in the workplace like as as you uh, as I'm sure most of you have heard there was uh, OSHA had tried to, you know, pass the law that any employers uh, over 100 employees had to mandate man, uh, make vaccines mandatory. Well, that law has uh, not passed, and so there's not a federal requirement that employers over 100 employees have to get their employees vaccinated. But that doesn't mean that the private employer cannot, no matter your size. You know, mandate it. They, an employer was is it in their right to mandate a vaccine. It's just a question of uh, whether you're going to whether you want to do it or not. And what are you what are you seeing, Samantha? Are employers mandating vaccines? Are they not? And are they taking any sort of intermediate uh, precautions short of vaccinations? We're seeing a mix, definitely. I think by now, a lot of the workforce is already vaccinated. Um, So it's taking a little bit of pressure off of the employer to make that decision for their employees. At first, there was a lot of hesitancy around making that decision because a lot of employers, company owners, didn't want to be making those choices for their employees. But now that the majority of the workforce does seem to be vaccinated, it's definitely helping alleviate some of the concerns and employers making these decisions um, to try to keep their workforce healthy and everyone in the workplace. Um, now it seems like we're we're seeing a mix of people who are mandating the vaccine or looking to do a mandate or test option, which was very similar to what the federal government was trying to do to give employers the option um, to say you either have to be vaccinated or you have to get tested. Um, and we're seeing employers choose that option um, as a way to try to keep everyone healthy. Right. What are we seeing in terms of the employer's obligation to either pay for testing or or pay for time off for testing? That's a little bit uncertain right now, isn't it? Definitely. That's a gray area that we have been unable to give a black or white answer to still. If you're requiring testing as part of someone's job obligation or condition of employment, a lot of times that falls in on the employer. So if, if there is a cost for a test, if the insurance doesn't pick it up for whatever reason, um, then it might fall back onto the employer. And the question of employees definitely ask the question, well, if I have to go get tested during my off time, are you paying me to do that? Right. Because that's a condition of my employment. So employees are definitely pushing back on the parameter set in terms of requiring testing. And it's, it's still a gray area um, as to whether or not the employee has to foot the bill. And a lot of times we're seeing that they do. Right. Um, so whether that's allowing your employee to go during work hours and get tested while they're on the clock or counting those hours as time worked if they're going on Saturday morning, um, it definitely is a, an extra cost, which is a big complaint that we're seeing from employers, whether it's the COVID-19 leave 
or the extra cost of implementing testing, it's definitely a burden on the employers. Right. This is one of the reasons why we thought that uh, we wanted to come out with the Employment Huddle podcast, because things were changing so rapidly, so quickly. So we wanted the opportunity to, after a week of advising our clients of hopping on a podcast and and dropping a podcast to, to, to our listeners so they can see what we're seeing every day and things change. So maybe next month at this time, we'll have some more clarity on whether employers have to pay for their employers testing or they have to pay for the time taken. Right now, we don't know. So we're taking this on a, on a day by day and a, a, and a, uh, a uh, week-by-week basis. All right, so Samantha, let's talk about what New York City's doing. We've spoken about what New York State's doing as far as the vaccination mandates. Uh, what's New York City doing? New York City, that's definitely something to pay attention to for our employers. So in New York City, there is a vaccine mandate for all private employers, which means that you either have to get your workforce vaccinated or go through the accommodation process, which means that they have to request their religious or medical exemption. You go through the interactive process and you see what you can do to accommodate them. Is the lens as as strict for the city accommodation process as it is for, say, in the state, you know, in terms of whether you're going to require a a vaccine or or allow for an exemption uh, from the vaccine? So in New York City, under the city human rights law, the bar is a lot lower for employees to meet the burden. So it's much more difficult for employers to deny an accommodation request in the accommodation process. So certain things like pregnancy or lactation, those could be viewed as a disability under the city human rights law, which means that those are grounds for an employee to request the accommodation or to request the exemption, then leading to the accommodation. And employers really need to be careful that they're following the city human rights law as well as the state human rights law to make sure they avoid any potential discrimination lawsuits, things of that nature. Right. It's very, it's very important that if someone, and certainly if someone is making a, a medical exemption request, that you have to realize there's still an interactive process that has to be followed, uh, both on the state and the city level, that it, even if you... Uh, can't grant an accommodation, or you can't because it doesn't fit within the parameters of a COVID, you know, vaccination exemption. You still may have to take it a step further to see if there's anything else that you can do for this employee. Can they work in a different job, different capacity, different location? Is there something else that you can do? Really take the, the this required interactive process as long as you need to take it. Just don't come to a, a, a cursory conclusion that, well, it doesn't meet the criteria for a COVID exemption, so we're not going to give it to you. You have to really take those steps. Employees really need to take those steps to make sure that they engage in the interactive process, particularly in New York City, where uh, it's really, it's mandated now for all private employers. Right. And if an employer does not want to go through that process, Another avenue for them to use is to remain working from home. If employees do not have to enter the work site in New York City, then there is no requirement to be vaccinated and no, therefore no requirement to go through the exemption and accommodation process. That's an excellent point. And, and we're seeing a lot of that, a lot of pushback, push and pull about work from home and have to come to the office. And one of the things that clearly come out of this COVID crisis is the ability of the workforce to work from home. Employees like it. 
employees like it. Employers, not so much. It depends. I mean, it's, it's a mixed bag. Some employers feel, well, we can operate with less real estate, less space. So let's capitalize on a, uh, a work from home uh, workforce. Other employers don't. It misses the collaboration. Uh, misses, there's just no substitute for being in the office together. So uh, yes, uh, it's an excellent point that if you are going to uh, allow employees to work from home, then you don't have to worry about this as, vac- as vaccine mandate. But if you want to have your employees back in the office, then you do. Definitely. And it's it's definitely a consideration for employers to make. I know right now a lot of employers are deciding whether or not to bring their workforce back to the office, especially in New York City. Um, and so this is definitely a consideration when making that decision. Okay. So we've spoken about the vaccines and we've spoken about uh, the accommodations employers may need to make for employees who don't want to get vaccinated. One thing that's been front and center in the news in the past few weeks has been the New York State mask mandate. What are we seeing? Where are we? Where are we right now in terms of whether an employer uh, must require its employees to wear a mask in the workplace? What a hot topic, guy! So let's back up a little bit. A, a brief explanation of the New York State mask mandate is that, basically, bo- very boiled down, the governor said that in order to enter a worksite or any, really any public place, you have to either request proof of vaccination for everyone entering that space, or everyone has to be masked. Those were the two options, proof of vaccination or we're masking up. That went on for a while. It was extended. It was challenged in the courts. Uh, Actually, more specifically, in the courts for the school setting, but when the court took a look at it, it applied to the mandate as a whole. The court came down and said that at the time that it was issued, the governor did not have the authority to make that mandate because her emergency executive powers for the pandemic were no longer in effect at that time. It was, of course, immediately appealed by the state, and there is a stay now to the mask mandate, which means, in common terms, that the mask mandate is still in effect because it's being challenged through the appeal process in the court. It is set to lapse very soon, so it might be lifted just because the mandate has expired. Um, But we're waiting to see what the court does on appeal in terms of whether the mask mandate is legitimate and should be continued or not. My bet on this one is I think it's become a moot point. I think I believe that it, it's about to expire on February 21st, uh, the, the mask mandate, and there's a question of whether the governor is going to extend it or not. Uh, my bet is that uh, they won't, that she won't extend it. I, I, I think uh, you know it's going through the process in the courts, and I understand why. But my bet is by the end of the month that there will no longer be a mask mandate, so long as our numbers you know continue to decrease. But we'll see if I'm right. We will see. We'll we'll do a follow up to that in our next podcast. So as I said in the outset, the purpose of this podcast is twofold. Number one, it's to provide you with what we're seeing on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. What are our clients seeing? What are the challenges of employers? Real, um, real life legal issues. That's number one. And we did that for the first part of this podcast. Now, the second part, which is my favorite part, is office chatter. It's water cooler talk. What are employees talking about these days? It's enough of COVID. It's enough of the cold weather. What are they talking about? 
And what are they talking about? They're talking about the Super Bowl. We just came off great weekend of games. The past two weekends have been phenomenal. And now we have our Super Bowl. Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. And we, for the first time on this podcast, are going to give you our Super Bowl predictions. With that, Samantha, who's your choice? First, at the outset, I would like to say that I'm extremely disadvantaged, and this is unfair. And next next podcast, I am choosing the topic. Fair enough. And it will be something that Guy Allen has no clue about. Which is a lot of things. But I will find the one topic. <laughs> okay, fair enough. And I think you're underestimating yourself. I think you, 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 your football acumen is, is a lot better than you're letting on. You know, everyone loves an underdog. So my prediction for the Super Bowl is 2017. So Rams. It's going to be a close game. And I think the Rams have it. Wow, 2017. Well, I am going to go with the previously underdog Cincinnati Bengals and still underdog Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to win it 24-20. Put it in pen. Take it to the bank. That will be this year's Super Bowl results. Cincinnati 24, the Rams 20. When we come to you after with our next podcast, we will see who is right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Uh, this was our inaugural episode. Uh, as I said, we plan to come to you once every few weeks or once a month at, uh, uh, at a minimum to keep you up to date on what's going on in the employment world. So for now, thanks for joining the Employment Huddle, and we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone.